Now, currently we're in a message series called How God Sees You. In this series, we're looking at God's Word to understand better how God sees each one of us. And our goal in this series is to grow in understanding how God sees us so that we can see ourselves as God sees us. And when we see ourselves as God sees us, we can also see others as God sees them as well. If we don't have an accurate view of ourselves, then we're not going to see other people accurately. We'll have a distorted or warped view of them. Now, Jesus taught us that the greatest commandment was to love God with all of our hearts. And what was the second commandment? It was to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, let's think about that second commandment for, for a minute. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, what happens if we don't love ourselves? You see a problem there? What if we don't like ourselves? <laughs> There's a problem there. How can we fulfill God's commandment to love others as we love ourselves if we really don't love ourselves? And a lot of people have a problem with loving others because they don't really love themselves. Now, why should we love ourselves? Was that a bit arrogant? No, because God sees us and God loves us. Each person here is loved by God. Incredibly loved by God. Because you have value. Because God created you. Because God has a plan and purpose for your life. And we are to love ourselves as well. When we see ourselves as God sees us, then we'll love ourselves as someone who's been created by God. As someone who lives for God. And then we'll be able to love our neighbor as God does as well. Now today, the topic of the message is completely forgiven. You might want to pull out the white page in the middle of your program. It has the outline written out on it. And you can take some notes there, fill in the blanks. So you have something to study this week. And on the back of that page is also a study guide for you to look at. Uh, many of the life groups will be going over the study guide. But it's something for you to study on your own. It really would be best if you filled out the questions on your own before you went to life group. You spent some time praying over it and applying it to your life. Now today we're going to be talking about one of the main areas where people don't feel good about themselves. When people don't see themselves as God sees them. And that is the area of sin. What is sin? Well, sin is basically when we go our own way in life without consulting God. I often use the illustration, it only works in the English language, that the middle letter of sin is the word, is the letter I. And that's what sin is all about. It's all about me doing what I want to do, not doing what God wants me to do. Sin is when we do wrong things that God says we shouldn't do. Sin is also when we don't do right things that God says that we should do. So there's sins of commission, things we do wrong, and there's sins of omission, where we don't do things that God wants us to do. And what happens when we sin? Well, what happens is we feel guilty. Anybody ever felt guilty for something they did that was wrong? About a third of us. Okay. But God has given you a conscience. And what is a conscience? A conscience is a little thing inside your head that lets you know when you've done something right or something wrong. Children have consciences. 
Youth have consciences. Adults have consciences. And we can discern right from wrong. And when we sin, we develop a guilty conscience. We are pricked in our conscience. We know we've done something wrong. And that guilt doesn't go away. We might try to hide it. We might try to run from it. We may try to escape from it, bury it, but it's still there. And when there's guilt in our lives, it can lead to a lot of negative consequences. It can lead to depression. It can lead to difficulty in relationships. It can lead to many other negative symptoms of guilt in our lives. And the root cause of, of guilt, our sin, causes us to be separated from a holy God. That sin causes this separation. Now today we're going to be talking about the good news, which is God's forgiveness. God has a plan to forgive us. We're going to learn to see ourselves as, as God sees us. And when we see ourselves in that light, then we can see other people in the same light. And so I believe that this message today from God's Word is going to set people here today free. Free from guilt, free from the past, free from sin, that has been bogging you down. If you're a believer here today, God wants to show you that you have been completely forgiven. It's wonderful news. Completely forgiven. And if you're not a believer here today, then God wants you to enter into a relationship with Him. A relationship with Him where you can be completely forgiven. Now our passage today is found in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be learning about forgiveness both from the Old and the New Testaments. First thing we want to learn is that sacrifices can't remove sin. Hebrews 10 verse 1 says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it, speaking of the law, can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. And so in the Old Testament, God instructed the people of Israel to sacrifice animals to be forgiven for their sin. Now, have you ever wondered what the animal sacrifice was all about? Why were animals sacrificed? What was the point of that? The point of it was when we sin, we are guilty before God and we deserve to die. But the animals were sacrificed in the people's place. And so there was a, a visual, very visual back then. I mean, it would be an R-rated movie. A visual illustration of what the results of sin should be. This animal was slaughtered. Its blood was let out on the altar. And that's what should have happened to the people who had sinned. That's what should have happened to us. That's why sacrifices were instituted by God. And these sacrifices in the Old Testament had to be repeated over and over again because they only provided temporary forgiveness for those who offered them in faith, believing that God would forgive their sins when they followed His commands. This verse tells us that sacrifices can never make anyone perfect in God's eyes. Sacrifices don't remove guilt. Verse 2, if it could, speaking of the sacrifices, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. 
So obviously here it's saying that the Old Testament worshipers continued to feel guilty for their sins. And the next time they had to come and offer sacrifices, they had to be forgiven again. And so the Old Testament sacrifices did not cleanse permanently those who offered them. They didn't remove the guilt from their consciences. They were still plagued by guilt. They were an annual reminder of the sin the people had. The blood of animals can never permanently, or it just says can never take away guilt and sin. Now as we look at what the Old Testament sacrifices did not do, we begin to get a, a clearer picture of what complete forgiveness should be like. Of what complete forgiveness in Jesus actually offers us. And we're going to look at that in a minute. Complete forgiveness will cleanse us once and for all. It'll be a permanent cleansing. Complete forgiveness will remove the guilt from our consciences. Now the Old Testament sacrifices were part of this Old Testament law that God gave to Israel. It was called the Old Covenant. And unfortunately, many of the Israelites simply followed the letter of the law. You know, if I do this, then I'm going to be forgiven. And we learn, if we read the whole book of Hebrews, that's not true. They had to do it with faith. If they didn't do it with faith, it wasn't efficacious for them. And how does this apply to us today? People don't normally go around sacrificing animals. I mean, probably a few uh, witches or whatever do, but the normal churches don't go around sacrificing animals. I think there's some law against it. I'm not sure. Uh, that's not what we do today. It's not followed in America. But people do follow all kinds of rules and regulations and laws to look for forgiveness for their sins or to appear better in God's eyes. They want to appear in good standing. People do what they consider good things in a, in a vain attempt to have the good in their life outweigh the bad. Many people feel that, yes, I've done some bad things, but if I do enough good things in the cosmic scale in the sky, the good things will outweigh the bad things. And God will accept me and everything's going to be okay. Because, boy, I know a lot of people who are like this. Who did a lot of bad things and I'm much better than them. So, surely, God, <laughs> God is going to let me into his heaven. By following rules and regulations. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not the truth. And so, people do good things. They help other people. They, they give to churches. They give money to the poor. They try to be good people and there's nothing wrong with those things. The only problem is those kind of sacrifices following those kinds of laws can never remove sin. It can never cleanse guilty consciences and that's why we need Jesus Christ. Christ came to bring a new covenant. Skipping down to verse 9. Now in your life groups, in your Bible studies, hopefully you'll go through the whole passage. Uh, we just want to hit some of the high points here. Verse 9 says, Then Christ said, Here I am, I have come to do your will. He set aside the first to establish the second. And so Jesus Christ came to do God's will. He came to set aside the old covenant of the Old Testament and institute the new covenant of the New Testament. The new covenant is far superior to the old covenant. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful covenant. And what is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between God and His people Secured in blood. There's always blood involved in a covenant. And again, it's what I explained to you before. There's a sacrifice involved. Because someone, something had to pay 
the price for your sin and my sin. The new covenant is the basis for our salvation. It's the basis for our relationship with God. And so how is the new covenant that Christ came to bring superior to the old covenant? Well, Christ made one sacrifice. Verse 10 says, And by that will, the will of God, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The sacrifices in the Old Testament of the animals had to be made repeatedly over and over again. The sacrifice in the New Covenant was made once and for all. Jesus Christ died on the cross one time. It didn't have to be repeated. It was the perfect sacrifice. You see, the people that sin are human beings. And how possibly could a goat, a bull, or a ram pay the penalty for a human being? They couldn't. The death of one of those in an animal sacrifice. But Jesus Christ was a human being, just like you and me. But the difference was he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. A lot of people today think he must have sinned. If Jesus Christ sinned, then you can throw out the whole Bible. You can throw it. Nobody is saved. Nothing makes any sense. And there's not one shred of evidence that he ever sinned. In fact, all the evidence is he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. And then he died on the cross for you and for me. He was able to sacrifice himself because he had no guilt of himself. So that our sins might be forgiven. And what was the result of Jesus' once and for all sacrifice? It was that believers are made holy. Let's look at verse 10 again. It says, And by that will we have been made holy. Circle that word holy. Holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now if you're a believer this morning, let's say together, I have been made holy. Let's say it. I have been made holy. Wow. We have been made holy if you're a believer here this morning through Jesus' sacrifice. And that's how God sees you. Not as a sinner but as a person who is holy. How can a holy God see us as holy? We still sin, don't we? God sees you as perfect because He sees you in Christ. He sees you as holy because He sees you in Christ who is holy. We are identified with Christ. And through faith in Christ's sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. And God sees us as perfect without sin. It's incredible. Christ's sacrifice also cleanses our conscience of guilt so that we can walk in freedom from our past sin. I heard a story about a, a woman who came to a Christian counselor and she told him something very bad that she'd done 15 years ago. And the counselor asked her, how, how was her husband dealing with this situation after 15 years, this really bad thing that she had done. And she said, well, my husband told me, I want you to know that I have completely forgiven you. I've forgiven you totally. And the counselor said, well, that's good. It's like, why, why have you come to see me? And she said, well, the problem is that my husband reminds me every week of my life that he's forgiven me totally. Now that's not how Jesus forgives us. When Jesus forgives us, we're forgiven. We don't get reminded by Him. We've been made holy 
through his sacrifice, our guilty consciences have been cleansed. But have you ever been reminded of your past sin? Who reminds you? There's somebody else walking around in this world. We can't see him. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. A brethren is, the Bible says, for believers. And he goes around and accuses us. He brings up past sin. And he says, you're no good. Remember what you did 15 years ago? Why do you claim to be a Christian? Why do you think you're living for God? Look what you've done. He accuses us. Don't listen to his accusations. That's not how God sees you. Don't listen to his condemnations. Tell him to go away. Focus your thoughts on Jesus Christ. View yourself not as the devil views you. Don't repeat his words and his lies. View yourself as God sees you. No, that's not true, devil. Go away. I'm forgiven. God sees me as holy. God sees me as perfect. Let Jesus free us from all guilt. Now, Jesus himself now reigns in heaven. Hebrews 10, verse 12 and 13, it says, When this priest, speaking of Jesus Christ, he's the great high priest, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. And so Jesus Christ, he's a human being just like you and I. Jesus Christ has a physical body. Now, it's a resurrected body. It's the kind of body we're going to get one day. But he is seated at the right hand of God right now. And at that seat, he reigns. And his task as priest, offering up a sacrifice to God, is finished. It was finished on the cross. He reigns over all. He waits for the time when he's going to return from heaven and all his enemies will be conquered. So how does Jesus, the Son, and God the Father see you? Well, he sees you as perfect forever. Verse 14 says, Because by one sacrifice, he, speaking of Jesus, has made perfect forever. You might want to underline that in the verse. Perfect forever, those who are being made holy. And so if you're a believer here this morning, Jesus Christ has made you perfect forever. God doesn't see you as a sinner. He doesn't see you as one with all these flaws and imperfections. He sees you perfect in Christ. And when God looks at a believer, he sees every believer as being in Christ, who is perfect. So it's in Christ that we're perfect forever. Now let's look at the second part of the verse. God sees you as becoming holy. Verse 14 again, because by one sacrifice he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Sometimes we need to pay attention to our English grammar. As generally, it's translated the same from the Greek to the English. The first tense it says, he has made perfect forever. That's, that's a perfect tense. It's something that's already been accomplished, isn't it? The second phrase, our being made holy, that's the present tense. It's something that's ongoing. And so, the, so that through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are being made holy in our thoughts. We are being made holy in our attitudes. We are being made holy in our actions. It's an ongoing process. So I wouldn't advise going around telling everybody you're perfect, okay? Your boss tells you something and you go, no, I'm sorry, sir, you're wrong. I'm perfect. 
I don't think it's going to go over too well. It's how God sees us in Christ. We all have a ways to go in growing to become what God wants us to be. Now, how do you see yourself this morning? Now, I'm convinced that, that most people think too little of themselves. They see themselves in a negative light most of the time. They don't see themselves as God sees them. Now, some people think too much of themselves. That's true. And sometimes we do too. But we need to see ourselves as God sees us. Uh, we are perfect in God's eyes. We are perfect in Christ. And yet we are becoming holy as we work out our salvation day by day. Now, this is an example I've talked before about what I call truth's intention. Truth's intention is sometimes called the already and the not yet. In God's eyes, you're already perfect. In God's eyes, I'm already perfect. But we're not there yet. Because it's a working out process to become what we already are. Now, this doesn't quite compute in our little logical minds. But we see this all the way through Scripture. Many things. God calls you something, but yet you're not there yet. But in his eyes, you are. And we're working to become what we already are. It's the ongoing process the Bible calls sanctification. Becoming what we already are. Walking out our faith in Jesus Christ. And so our prayer should be, God, make me holy as you already see me in Christ. Make me holy in my everyday life. Make me holy in my thoughts. Make me holy in my attitudes. Make me holy in my actions. And to help us in that process, God's laws have been written in our hearts. Verse 16 says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. In the Old Testament, where were the laws of God written? On stones, on tablets of stone. The Ten Commandments were written with the finger of God on tablets of stone. But in the New Covenant, the laws of God are not written on tablets of stone. They are written on our hearts and in our minds. They're not something external out there that imposes itself on us. They're something internal that God writes through, the, through His Holy Spirit on our hearts and minds. And that means that the Holy Spirit guides us as believers to live lives that are pleasing to God. The Holy Spirit uses God's word to teach us as well. And to guide us. But, but our consciences have been, as believers, have been written on by the finger of the Holy Spirit. And we know what is right and wrong. As we follow God. We follow God because we love Him. We follow God because we want to. Not because we're being compelled to. And when we, we do break God's law that's written on our hearts... The Bible says we can confess our sins and He forgives us and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He takes away that guilt. And the wonderful thing is that God forgets. God doesn't remind us every week about the sin that He's forgiven. God has forgotten your sin. It adds in verse 17, their, law, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. God chooses not to remember your sins that have been forgiven. Once God has forgiven you, He doesn't remind you. It's in the past. It's covered over with the blood of Christ. And God wants you to move forward into the future that He has for you. He wants you to move forward into the wonderful plans He has for you. 
Don't keep thinking about past sin. Too many people are bogged down with things they've done in the past. God wants to set you free. Let the past be the past. Confess. Accept His forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Don't keep beating yourself up. If God has forgiven you, forgive yourself. Yes, it was wrong. Yes, I did it. I've asked God for forgiveness. He's forgiven me. I'm moving on. I'm looking forward. I'm not looking backward. I'm keeping my eyes to the front. Because God has wonderful plans for me. We have been completely forgiven. Verse 18, And when, where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. No more sacrifices required for sins already forgiven. Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. In Christ, your past sin, your, your current sin, and your future sin is completely forgiven. Now, when we become aware of sin, we need to confess it. We need to admit it and ask for Christ's forgiveness. Repent, turn away from it, and don't continue in it. And so there's a whole process in walking free from sin in our lives. But because of Christ's forgiveness, we can have a relationship with the Holy God. And that relationship is going to last forever. That's incredible. And since God sees you as completely forgiven this morning, see yourself as completely forgiven. Don't keep beating yourself up over past sin. Let God cleanse your conscience from all guilt. If you're plagued with a guilty conscience this morning, God wants to set you free. If you're constantly thinking about something you've done in the past, God wants to cleanse your conscience this morning and begin to see yourself as God sees you. He wants you to be free to live for God. He wants you to be free to look to the future, to the things that God has for you in the future. Since God no longer remembers your sin, should we be dwelling on it? Should we be thinking about it? No. Don't dwell on it yourself. Praise God every day that you've been forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk in a way pleasing to Him from this day forward. We serve a wonderful God. Now perhaps you're here today and you don't feel completely forgiven. It might be because you've never asked God for forgiveness in the first place. And then obviously, you don't feel forgiven because you haven't been. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ and trusted Him in faith. Or perhaps you've drifted away from God. At one time, you gave your life to Him. At one time, you asked for forgiveness, but you stopped walking with Him. You've drifted away. You're doing things you know you shouldn't do. And you feel guilty. God wants you to come back to Him this morning. And to do that, you can either commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit your lives. And that involves simply admitting that you've done wrong things. That you've sinned. And you've never confessed these things to God. And say, God, I admit I've sinned. I confess I've done wrong. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He offered up the perfect sacrifice that my sins might be forgiven. He took my place. I should have died because of my sin. I should have spent eternity separated from God, but Jesus took my place. He died that I don't have to die. 
That's what I believe. And I put my faith and trust in Him. I commit my life to Him. To living for Him. And accepting His forgiveness. And living in His purpose. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. If you've never made that commitment. Or you're not sure you made that commitment. Or you want to recommit your lives. Then just pray along with me something like this. We'll say, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done things that I know were wrong. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross that these sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you. To following your ways. To walking in your plans for my life. I turn away from the sin I once committed and I turn towards you. To follow you, to follow your commands, and to follow your word from this day forward. Thank you for what you've done in my life.